Welcome to the Pack to My Mike Grimes here with Pat Abendroth, and on today's episode, we are on episode 161, and we are going to talk about, wait for it, are you ready? Politics. Politics? Ooh, That's not boy. what we do on the Pactum. The po- we're talking about politics, the polis, the city. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What would possess us, Mike, to talk about? About politics, is there something else we could talk about for a while before we talk about talk about politics? We could talk Packed about conference is coming up October. Right. It's uh, October 11th and 12th. I am holding up our handy sign is. that they've made for us here in the Pactum Studio, so we don't forget. Uh-huh. Go to the Pactum.org. You'll find all the details about this year's Pactum Conference here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's going to be fantastic on God's good law. Signups are up, rolling. We would encourage you to get registered before that early bird rate disappears. It's even going to be nice in Omaha, Nebraska. It's always nice uh-huh. in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, in October, early October. Is that when it, yeah, early October. It's going to be nice. It'll be pleasant. The uh, leaves will be turning colors. Yes. I mean, I think you might want to just come here for that, and then the right. conference is like a bonus. It's a bonus. So if you're looking for more reasons, <laughs> right. not only that the Nebraska Cornhusker football team has a bye that week. Has a bye that week. I shouldn't have said that, because maybe some people were going to try to catch a Husker <laughs> game uh. as well. Well, but probably not. But we, we are hoping they get better. We're, we're fans. Yep. That's for sure. We are. support the home team for sure. Yeah. So, all right. So to talk about politics, yeah. really what we're trying to do is help you uh, because we need help. So maybe this is self-counseling. <laughs> Pactum sofa time. It is Pactum sofa. To try episode. to help you listeners to, to maneuver, to to survive, to, have, to make some sanctified sense, if you will, sure. out of the confusion and chaos that is living in what I'm going to say is Babylon. We'll talk more about that later. So what are some guiding principles to help us survive as Christians? How about even to thrive as Christians sure. as we long for our heavenly home, as we long for the new Jerusalem? We wait for glory. How, how do we make the most of our time here on earth? Because it's it's a bit tough. This yeah. is an election year in it the is. United States of America. It's it 2024. Yep. And we know we have a sizable listenership. So lots of you listen from outside of the United States. Uh-huh. But I think in general, you'll be able to, to bridge the gap. Right. Yeah. Y- y'all, y'all are intelligent. <laughs> so, so you'll be able to bridge the gap and at least uh, find, you know, these biblical kinds of principles to help you to think through your kind of Babylon. Right. Yeah. Think. These are, these are applicable things no matter where you live, even no matter what year it may be. Right. It's true. I mean, because it's sure it's an election year here and there's a lot of, things happening because of that. But the idea with this episode is not to sit here and let's look at the candidates for this year and let's talk about who you should vote for. That's not what we're going for in this episode. Seriously? It is, that, <laughs> this, I didn't prepare for Mike, that. Mike, this almost feels like it should be a Lone Ranger episode just because of your voice. You kind of have the, <laughs> the post-cold voice. I do have that. It's extra deep. And when I was a little kid, I always thought I sounded like the Lone Ranger when I had a cold <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, it's it's coming along. You're doing I, I completely lost my voice on Sunday, and I only sang one out of the four songs. You so were doing they, the Millie Vanilli lip sync kind of. I was thing. Millie Vanillying through that service. You actually know who that is? Uh, yeah, just because of pop culture. They were ahead. Listen, Millie Vanilli was ahead of their time. Here's why: because nowadays, ain't none of these people actually singing. Okay, <laughs> you go to a concert. I promise you, half of what you hear is fake and recorded. I had a bit of an argument with some of my family members. It wasn't really an argument; it was discussion. But during the Super Bowl, are they really singing? Or are they not actually singing? You know what? I think Usher was actually singing this year. You do? I do. Huh? Okay. But but that uh, I mean. 
while he, I think his mic was live more than recent or most years you see, yes. they still, they're still running auto-tune. Yes. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. When I looked it up on the internet, uh-huh. it always tells the truth. It was Absolutely. even because of time constraints and everything so like to the second uh-huh. that it's pre-recorded. Yeah. But I think it's super well, interesting that you said the ushers at the Super Bowl were singing. <laughs> I mean, sure, were they? singular. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Alicia man. Keys, that was live. Wow, that was bad. Anyway, but. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. The there was one of the James Bond movies, and Alicia Keys sang the like the the song for yeah, it, the theme song. I really like that, but I've not really enjoyed any other things by her. I've tried. I I don't know much of her music. Okay, she's not on K Love. So talking I, about <laughs> pop culture, trying that that escaped my my oh. tentacles. It missed me, oh, or man. I missed it. So speaking about speaking of pop culture, yeah. Um, I preached a sermon one time on a Sunday evening at a Sunday evening service about Christians and politics and uh-huh. just um, who to vote for. No, just kidding. But just trying <laughs> to be neutral on that Sunday evening. And I think that was even back in the day when on a Sunday night, I was still probably wearing a suit and tie kind of thing. Oh, but sure. Yeah. I wore my Jack Bauer for president t-shirt. No way. <laughs> you did? Just to just to make a point, That's right? That's awesome. That did, people, did everybody know who he was? I think back then they did. But when I went to the, uh, the hair salon... Mm. Which I don't go to a hair salon, <laughs> but when I went to the beautician, <laughs> when I went to have my nails done last week, when I went to the barber, the barber shop where men go, uh, when I went to the place to get my hair cut last week and something came up about Jack, Jack Bauer and the lady was like, huh? She like, didn't know. She thought it was like a backup singer for Usher or something. <laughs> you know, I would not have known, and except for the fact that I am still currently Ooh. watching through the 24 24- episode maybe, the 24 maybe, seasons maybe the best television series ever i don't it's, i don't know it's rather enjoyable i'm enjoying it but back when it was on you know in real time i was a what was what, what that show uh, i was a lost a losty is that okay. what they call them lost i, I wasted mm-hmm. six years of my life on that show <clears throat> I, tra- I was watching it for a while and then i thought they're just messing with me mm-hmm. they, they, they've just lost the plot <laughs> they're just making stuff up uh i'm currently i don't know what season i'm in trying to work through all of them because i want to say i've seen them <sighs> and i watched a couple episodes while i was down sick and i thought they are making this one up as they go. Ain't no way this is possible. Of Lost or 24? 24. Okay. I'm, you were talking about Lost. I was. But that, well, the same goes for that. But 24, they're making up stuff. They have all the sound bites from Jack Bauer and 24. You know, I'm going to need a hacksaw. <laughs> yeah, Shut up, stupid. <laughs> but what's interesting is how many times they say, he says the word fine. fine. Yes. We count. All the we time. just start counting. Uh-huh. All the time. All right. We probably better get down to We business. should. We're going to talk about politics. Come on. We're talking about politics because uh, we have guiding principles. We have 10 or so guiding principles to help you. We're doing it because it's it's hard. It's hard to function. It's hard to keep your sanity. I listen to a fair amount of political mm-hmm. commentary. How about you? What do you? It's, it's growing. I don't know if it has anything to do with age, if there's a relationship there. If age goes yeah, up, your political be. commentary intake goes up. But I have started, yes, so taking in a lot of content. Five minutes a day, hour a day, more. I, for me, it's probably maybe 20 to 30. Okay. Yeah. I'm maybe an hour a day probably. Okay. Maybe even more sometimes. Yeah. But I don't listen to it when I'm trying to fall asleep because it makes me upset. Yes. So there is that tip. Yes. See, they're, they're getting tips even today. Tips to, and tricks episode. to survive in <laughs> there Babylon. There you go. Not and when you go That's to not bed. actually one of no, them. <laughs> I started getting interested in politics um, when we were introduced to, I think, what they used to call Obamacare. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. We were already paying, you know, super high rates, as you understand these things, super high rates. And then it went up like seven, not making up $700 a month. Mm-hmm. And we had a little little breakdown at our house. And yeah. then it went up again that much. And it's like, okay, 
I can't. elections have consequences, they as do they have say, and this is not good. And <laughs> and I so I started getting interested, and now I'm still interested because we have all of these crazy things happening. All the these world. crazy so, things. All right, yeah. Let's work our way through some of these things we've got to talk about politics here on the Pactum. Uh, first, there is a King of Kings, and he is our Savior. That is, we, we should is probably number one. roll the show notes. Roll show notes, wrap <laughs> it up, close in prayer, we're out. It's important that we remember this as Christians, and I yes. think it's one of the reasons why even even being a member of a local congregation, right, is important. Why yeah. the gathering of the people of God to hear the word of God is so critical because I'm reminded every single week, hopefully more than every single week, but by divine design, when I go to church, I'm going to be reminded that Jesus is the King of Kings, and he's the Lord of Lords. And not only that, he's for me, right? Yeah. He yes. is my savior. He, yes. Revelation nineteen sixteen, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's invited me to come to him yes. mm. and to find rest in yeah. him. Yeah. So I have rest. I don't need to pursue my own justification by my works because he's done the works for me. He's forgiven me. And uh, I found him to be where I find my hiding place. Psalm 2 talks about that, mm. doesn't it? Uh, kiss the sun. Kiss the right? sun. Yeah, yeah. Right. You find your your you you don't face his uh, judgment. You right. Don't f- face his wrath. Um, even though he has the scepter, um, because he's for us as our savior. I, we need to remember that. Yeah, we need to remember that for Neither sure. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities. I mean, Romans eight. Yes. Yeah. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I think that's enough for, to make me go to church next week. Yeah, I think so. Um. In all seriousness, yeah. uh, we, that is what will get us through. Uh, yes. He's the king. He's the Lord. Not only that, he is for us, loves us. Will He could never love us more or less. Um, he, he loved his own to the very end when he was on earth, and how much more so um, when it comes to literally as far as in, in from into eternity. So right. awesome stuff. Yeah, for Don't sure. Don't forget that, Pactum listeners. Jesus is... Amazing, and he's your savior. Yes. So another thing to keep in mind and remember and be encouraged uh, by as you are living in Babylon and encountering politics, politicians, things happening all around you is Jesus is sovereign over all. And this is even true we see in Scripture regarding Nebuchadnezzar. It is kind of a hard name to say. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Unless you watch VeggieTales. <laughs> I didn't even know how to spell it in the show notes. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, I think is what it says. <laughs> da- right? Yeah. Good old Nebi. Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. There's the blessing of God because of his greatness, his wisdom, his might. But then it does say, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Mm. So that's... Pretty good and pretty important to remember um, that actually he is sovereign and who, in our context in the United States, who, who's in the White House? It might not be a king, um, but by way of application, the one who is uh, the you know the great leader, if you will. Sure. Um, he's supposed to be accountable and not be acting like a king. Yeah. Uh, but that's well, – now we digress. Yeah, we will, yeah. But if it's true for kings arguing from the greater to the lesser, surely it's true for those who would be presiding, mm, yes, presiding. as the president. So yeah. um, again, I, we could 
we could correct all that kind of stuff, and we're not going to because I think Pactum listeners get the idea in principle. Right. Who's in the White House? Um, it's the person who actually, according to sovereign decree, yes, by the will of God is to be in the White House. Right. That doesn't mean they follow the moral will of God and obey God or are godly. Right, right, right. Um, but they're there not by accident because God works all things after the counsel of his will, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. And sometimes it might be a form of punishment or judgment. Sure, yeah. I have on my water bottle here a sticker. Um, it has a president's uh, depiction face on it. I won't mention which president it is. Um, and then it has a quotation from John Calvin next to it. They who rule unjustly and incompetently have been raised up by him to punish the wickedness of the people. Hmm. John Calvin. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, there's that. Yeah. If Calvin's right, um, and you know, a lot of times Calvin is right. A lot of times, yeah, he is. Maybe we, uh, we, we get what we deserve sometimes. Yeah. So it's, but it's important to keep in mind. And as we said, this is even true in the case of when Nebuchadnezzar's ruling this is even true. The case you think of Nero scripture, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who the ruler is or leader or whoever it is, like you said, presiding in office, wherever you live, whatever time this may be. Um, but it's sovereignly ordained by God to accomplish his purposes ultimately in history. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so we can trust the Lord because we know that he's sovereign over even these things. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we sit back and say, well, God's sovereign over these things. We'll see what happens and turn into the fatalist who says, oh, roll the dice and see what happens. But it does mean that at the end of the day, we trust in our sovereign Lord. Yep, absolutely. So both things are true at the same time, as yes. you're saying, Mike. Yeah. We, we pray. We pray for those who are in positions of authority. Yeah. We do all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, it's not like, oh no, God's the, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords is not on his throne. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, he absolutely is. And somehow all things are working together, even for the good of the people of God. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Even if we don't know exactly how. Even oh. if we don't know, I tell you. All right. I think it was Martin Luther who said, even the devil is God's devil. Mm, I don't think I've heard that one. Uh-huh. Meaning, God ultimately, God is sovereign. Yes, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Um, and if you're interested in pursuing these kinds of topics and learning more about the sovereignty of God and how practical and applicable it is, I mean, there's a, the, the, there are all kinds of great resources. But one very accessible resource would be Jerry Bridges' book called Trusting God. Mm, yeah. It's about the sovereignty of God by none other than the kind Calvinist Jerry Bridges. Jerry Bridges yeah. Did you see the other day that Jerry Bridges follows the pactum I on Twitter? See, yeah, I tell you. It's heavenly. It's heavenly. <laughs> <laughs> we like us some Jerry Bridges on the no, pactum. For sure. But Jerry Bridges is in heaven now, and so I doubt he's on X. I, I doubt it. But I'm thankful that people on X are pretending to be Jerry. Yes, yes. And uh, posting some really great stuff. Really great so stuff. Really shout great out to you. Thanks for being part of the Pactum verse. For Jerry sure. Bridges. Jerry Bridges. I heard him speak one time when I was a brand new Christian. I thought this guy's so boring because he just read his book. Oh, know? really? And But it was awesome. Uh, yeah. It was a great introduction and it actually was a positive thing. That's cool. All right. Keep it on rolling here. Uh, a third thing to encourage you uh, as you are living life in Babylon, as we're thinking about politics and countering these things in life around us. Pactum listeners might keep saying that and he hasn't explained it. It's because we're going to talk about what it means later. Yeah, so well, hang in there. So, sorry. And I'll stop whispering into sorry. the microphone and sound like some kind of weirdo. It's coming up. Sorry. But this one, before we get to the Babylon stuff, there is a new Jerusalem. And this That's is not true. it. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And this, this is, is not, not it, it right? right? So, But yeah. remember, there is a new Jerusalem, and it is coming. Yes. And the Bible talks actually a lot about this. Um, 
Galatians 4.26 talks about there, there's a Jerusalem above. Mm, yeah. So it's a unique Jerusalem. It's not the Middle East Jerusalem. There's something different. There's something heavenly. There's something better. Hebrews 12.22 says, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Mm. And so you hear the plane flying over? I hear that plane flying over. Man. You hear that packed in verse? I hope it misses Whoa. us. <laughs> so, and in that context, in Hebrews, those are people who were probably in the old Jerusalem, um, mm-hmm. maybe feeling persecuted and frustrated and ostracized, so suffering, uh, as we do sometimes under certain um, leaders, mm-hmm. and uh, theirs would, would have been religious as well. But the uh, the author's reminding them that if you're in Christ, that, you know you 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 have come to Mount Zion, you mm. you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, and we would say in an inaugurated sense, you, mm. you are a citizen mm-hmm. of that new Jerusalem. Right, right. But it actually it hasn't come yet. But you have gone. You you have come to it. Yes. To use pretty bad language and grammar. <laughs> Uh, how about Revelation three twelve? Uh, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a heavenly Jerusalem that we long for, we look for. Um, yeah, or in Revelation 21, 2, uh, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven uh, from God. Again, it says, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So again, awaiting that coming of yep. the new Jerusalem. Chapter 21, verse 10 talks about it also. So yeah. it's a great theme. It's a great study if you're looking for something something to consider and think through to put your focus maybe in a, in a different place. Um, not that we shouldn't think about the here and now. We right. actually yeah. should. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that. But remember, there is a new Jerusalem. It is our ultimate heavenly home, if you will. Yep. And it's going to be a whole lot better than even Omaha, Nebraska in October for the Pactum Conference. Yes. Which absolutely. is going to be really good. It is going to be really good. If I think about, you know, talking about this new Jerusalem, I think about citizenship. You mentioned that where our citizenship lies. Philippians talks about that we are citizens of heaven. Uh, I think about, you know, Hebrews, again, we mentioned here we have no lasting city. Just keeping our focus and mindset on eternal uh, hope that we have sure in Christ. Uh, so united to Christ, we have these sure hopes. So that, that's encouragement to us as we say, there is a new Jerusalem. You say, okay, well, what of it? Well, you are a citizen of that if you are in Christ. And so draw encouragement from that. Amen. For sure. Next guiding principle would be, this is Babylon. This is Babylon. Not the there Babylon B, um, <laughs> though that's pretty funny sometimes. Um, they've even posted... Pactum stuff. They go gospel over they, at the Babylon. Yeah, I've beat. seen it. So wear, even wearing the gear. So we like that. So this is Babylon. And the reason we would say this is Babylon uh, would be because the Bible speaks in those kinds of terms. So metaphorically speaking, um, we're in Omaha, Nebraska right now recording this. We're yep. not in Babylon. Um, that would be Council Bluffs, Iowa, across, <laughs> the, across the river. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh-oh, we, lost we have, we have Pactum. We have. <laughs> We have more than a listener or two yeah. in Council Bluffs, Iowa. So may the Lord bless you. Uh, so don't stop listening. There's this if, if you're if you're local. There's this thing that goes back and forth between Omaha and Council Bluffs, and it's just it's a rival kind of thing. My wife grew up uh, at least for a part of her life in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and so it's even in my house. There you go. It is so. But what we mean by it is this is Babylon, meaning this is not Jerusalem. So in particular, as Christians, we would say this is not the new Jerusalem. Right, yeah. But in the old covenant world, the Israelites, you know, that their home was Israel. 
their home would they want would want to be in Jerusalem, the old Jerusalem. So, but what would happen when they would go into captivity? Because it happened more than one time, and they would be exiled. Um, they would be well in in Egypt, for example, mm. but they were also exiled in Babylon. Right. Right. And so uh, it becomes a helpful metaphor, a biblical metaphor. We use it here on the Pactum quite a bit, uh, and lots of Christians use it just to describe this present earth. Yes, right. Um, and because we're exiled, we're longing for the new Jerusalem as Christians. Right. But in the meantime, we're exiled. First Peter chapter two talks uh, uses these uses this terminology. Actually, First Peter uses it, but I'm just going to borrow from chapter two, verse eleven, where it says, "Beloved." I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe King James and other translations might say uh, strangers and aliens. Strangers and aliens, yeah, yeah. And so sojourners, exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Uh, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, which is pretty interesting that he's saying that, mm-hmm. even if he's writing to some who are Gentiles. Right, yeah. Uh, but he's talking about ungodly people. Right. Um, metaphorically the Babylonians, yes, yeah. that kind of thing, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. So strangers and aliens, sojourners and exiles, but that's Peter borrowing from the old covenant verbiage that Christians who read their Bibles would be able to understand and say, oh, mm, yeah. this is a time of exile. We long to go back to the to our home country, right. our homeland. Yeah. This is Babylon. So it's sort of like that marriage book. Um, what did you expect? What did you expect? Yeah. Right. Two sinners who say, I do. Not an endorsement. Never read the book, but I like the title. Right. Yeah. Might be a fine book. Don't know. I, I haven't read it I either. Might promote EFS. I don't know. Like every other evangelical <laughs> right. marriage book, every it seems. One of them, yeah. uh, as an aside, we've kind of gotten rid of all of our evangelical premarital books, and we've just gone back to the R.C. Sproul book. Yeah. Because he doesn't promote EFS. That's right. <laughs> Doctrine of God is intact. Boom. It's a win for RC. So, good. all right. So, Christians, uh, we have dual citizenship. Yes. Right? Yes. So, we are citizens of heaven because of, by virtue of what Christ has accomplished. And so, New Jerusalem is ours, but we also um, are here in Babylon, if you will. Mm, yeah. And that should influence our expectations. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yes, First Peter's calling it to influence our behavior. Don't act like the pagans, but at the same time, it may lead to suffering. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a big theme in First Peter is suffering, kind of like what did you expect? Right. And so that goes to the point of expectations. Yeah. Remember, this is Babylon. Now, we might talk about how we want it to be a good Babylon mm-hmm. or to make Babylon as good as it can be, but at the end of the day... <laughs> This is Babylon. This is Babylon, yeah. right? And you don't – how about this? You don't get the sense from Scripture that somehow if we can just do enough, we can make Babylon the new Jerusalem. Yes, right, right, right. No, we, we're never going to make Babylon the new Jerusalem. Just keep remembering it comes from above. It comes from above. It comes from above. It's yes. heavenly. Yes, yes. And so um, it, it's tied to – we're gonna, going to experience it when, when Christ returns. Yes. I keep thinking about the Switchfoot song, I Don't Belong Here. What is, is that what it's called? I don't know, but it's a great song. Man, they, man. Not the biggest fan of Christian bands, but... but that, that album, uh, is that, that's on the uh, Beautiful Letdown, right? That's such a great album. What an album. Okay. Yep. So we're on Bab- We're in Babylon, as we're saying here, right? Metaphorically speaking, right? We so, be in Babylon. We be in Babylon. Babylon so B, are we thing. saying Babylon doesn't matter then because it's not our <laughs> eternal home? Yeah. Or, that, uh, no, right? we're saying... Babylon does matter. Where you live does matter. Where you're at does matter, but not ultimately. Yeah, so guiding principle number five on our list, Babylon matters, but not ultimately, as Mike just said. So it's – how do I get confused? Ultimate versus penultimate. 
I, I, <laughs> ask that AI thing you talked about. No, <laughs> right? So not the Google one. It ma- it matters. So um, you're resp- we're responsible to live a certain way on planet Earth, even as Christians. That's why First Peter's written. Even if you right. suffer, you should still do the right thing. You shouldn't be a compromiser. You should still seek to glorify God. It says in First Peter, "Be holy, for I am holy." There's a call to to actually. Pay attention to Babylon. Pay attention to your behavior in Babylon. Um, But at the same time, it's not our ultimate. It's the less than ultimate. It's important. How about it's the penultimate, not the ultimate. Right, right, right. Biblical justification for this, if we're thinking in terms of Babylon, Uh exile, if we're going to read 1 Peter and say, I should read about the exiles in the Old Testament and learn how this functions, how this works. Yeah, think about Israel when they're in exile, right? You read in Jeremiah 29, 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So there you've got... God's people in exile in Babylon, where it's not their home, it's not where they're from, it's not where they long to mm-hmm, be, ultimately. Mm-hmm. By sovereign but, design, I've right. sent you there, interesting. Yes, I've sent you there, and what are you to do while you're there? Pray for this city, to seek the welfare mm-hmm, of this mm-hmm. city, uh, because that would be good for you as well. So it's it's okay, it's good, it's in fact God's intent and design for you while you're in Babylon to seek the good of where you are. I think we were correct in saying it's the penultimate. Yeah. <laughs> it actually matters. So we don't want to be like the fighting crazy, I shouldn't say that, by the fighting, like the fighting fundamentalists who just wants to say the world's going to hell in a handbasket anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just go hide and retreat and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. We're actually seeking the welfare of this temporal, temporary city uh, that's actually even an ungodly city. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, if it's... This, yeah, it is one. So we're seeking its welfare and we're praying for it. We, we want Babylon to, it, in other words, we want Babylon to be as good of a Babylon as it can possibly be. Right. Not trying to transform it into the New Jerusalem, as we said, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it, you do want it to be as good as it can be. Yep. So it actually is a priority. It's not our ultimate priority because right. our ultimate priority actually has to do with things that are eternal, um, that has to do with the gospel and the church is this you know preview, if you will, mm-hmm. of the kingdom, the the ultimate kingdom, um, and so that should that should capture our passions mm-hmm. and our priorities first and foremost. But there should there is a place for secondary priorities, secondary passions, right, right, um, to care and to be concerned and to seek the good of others, uh, and this becomes very practical for us. And I think I used to maybe in early on in my Christian life, it was more just let them go to hell in a handbasket. Mm, yeah. Because I didn't see the biblical place precedent to actually make Babylon a better Babylon. Sure, yeah. It's interesting to consider even someone like Daniel, and there's no way Daniel could have gotten into the place of responsibility sure, yeah. that he got himself into without doing this Jeremiah sort of thing. Yes, right, yeah. Um, which opens up all kinds of questions, yeah, can sure. of worms kind of questions. Yes, yeah. Um, but pr- pretty cool to think about, and it may call for you as you're listening to this to prayerfully consider a course correction. Yeah. Um, to say, all right, maybe I maybe I should care a little bit more about what's going on. Sure. Maybe I should care a little bit more about the polis, about the city, mm. not just the heavenly city, but the earthly city. Yeah, because God cares. God cares about people. God cares about the, you know, the welfare of other people. So now, I, all of a sudden, I should care and not just yell at them about Jesus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. 
All right, another one on our list here. Uh, categories are biblical. They're helpful and they are important. So, categories, categories. And I, yeah, I think we've we've already kind of gone there, right, Mike? Yeah. Because we're talking about Babylon uh, versus Jerusalem. Yep. So those are two categories that are helpful to us, afforded to us from the Bible. And we say, okay, there is a difference. They're, they're, they're categorically different. They're both important. But if I make them the exact same thing, it's sort of like, you know, blurring law and gospel. That's right. a category. Yes. Yeah, we category like to pack them. Yeah. We say, no, that this is temporal. This is not going to last forever. But it is important, but it's not as important. It even causes me to say, all right, so how do I invest my time? How do I invest my passions? I am passionate about political things because they affect me. They affect my family. They affect other people I care about. They mm-hmm. affect the country that I'm patriotic regarding. Sure. I'm passionate about it, but at the same time, I have to stop and say, all right, but what really has your passion? What really has your heart? Right. And those things can become confused oftentimes if we don't have categories. Yeah, right. Yep. So I think it actually helps us. The here and now matters, but it's not the ultimate matter that matters. So I'm going to be careful. Yeah, for sure. So implication-wise, if we're considering the fact that categories matter and so we should pay attention to Babylon... Uh, It causes me to pray for the good of Babylon. It causes me to vote because I actually care about the outcomes, not just for Pat, but for Pat and his family Mm -hmm. and also fellow Christians and what will be best for other Christians. And how about even for my neighbors who aren't Christians? What What will lead to human flourishing in the next generation? Will it be, you know terrible, awful surgeries that they will regret. Mm. Um, Well, I mean, the the list goes on and on. Do do I want to have a safe neighborhood? Do I want to have a safe city? Do I want to have law and order and justice and human flourishing? I'm actually supposed to care about those things. And so now all of a sudden I actually am, I'm vested. Yeah. I'm I'm a citizen of heaven, but I'm also a citizen of this present earth. Um, I, and even we see examples of like the apostle Paul, he thought both were important. And if he didn't, he wouldn't have appealed to Caesar. He Mm -hmm. wouldn't have appealed to Roman governing authorities for justice. Right. Yeah. So both are true at the same time and in different ways, listeners. Um, I want the best for my family. I want the best for my neighbor. My family members are my closest neighbors. And so I want to love them. Um, and I want to vote for people in the United States. I have the opportunity to vote. I vote and I want to vote for people who uh, are not the pastor in chief. We're going to get to that, (laughs) but I'm going to vote for people who, who are the best Babylonians. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm voting for two different Babylonians at the end of the day. Um, and we're just talking about presidential things for illustration, but, but who's the best Babylonian, um, so I think that can hopefully help you to think through why we actually should care. Uh, what are the social issues? Um, what are the moral issues? Um, I, I actually think I'm obligated to care and be involved to one degree or another, even though it's not my ultimate sort of involvement. It's not my ultimate passion. Mm, yeah. Maybe we should also talk about, as we talk about this, Mike, um, what about um, – it seems like if if I want to educate myself because I do want Babylon to be as good of a Babylon as it can be. Yeah, right. It seems like if I want to have my presuppositions affirmed, I can, especially with social media and all of these different voices, and I'm thankful for lots of different voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can have my presuppositions affirmed pretty easily. Oh, easily, <laughs> High, highly. 
Yeah, doable. Very doable. So our advice to you as thinking Christians um, would be you, you might have to do a little extra work to find out actually who who's giving you the truth. Yes, um, yeah. You might have to do actually, some digging. You might have to educate yourself, do some reading, do some research, learn a little bit, and not only listen to the people that say everything you want them to say, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, let's use a simple one. I think it's low-lying fruit, but people talk about um, socialism and mm-hmm. people say, I'm a democratic socialist or something like that. And uh, I'm going to say, well, I, I I need to know a thing or two about socialism because it sounds pretty good. I right. mean, my, my family kind of functions like it's a, it's socialism. Sure. I do the, all the work <laughs> um, and then I earn a paycheck and then at dinner time, we don't sit down and I have a full plate and my kids, kids have, have like, little... <laughs> You know, you get a half a pea because you took the trash out, um, but dad gets a filet because uh, dad did all the work. No, dad does all the work, and we have equal distribution right. for for everybody. Doesn't it go with teen boys, though, that they actually get more? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you're talking my talk. So, I mean, you, you can see where – but now if if you know anything about history, um, and I would encourage you to know a thing or two about history because what you end up finding is you say um, it always um, – and we shouldn't say always and never. It always, always goes badly. Yeah. Um, and so – and we're kind of at a place at least in recent culture in the United States of America that we, we definitely want to talk about um, Germany and Nazi Germany and how bad it was and it for sure was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we don't say much about um, – Stalin and socialism and sure. Marxism and these things, and you say it's so bad it's not even funny. Yeah, bad news. Um, so, I mean, at best, it's unjust. Yeah, um, and it, and then it ends up being murderous. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, but lots of Christians think think oh, justice, social justice, that's good. Um, uh, yeah, social justice, apart from what it's come to mean, would be good, um, but it's not actually what it's it would, marketed yeah. as. Right. Justice is good. Justice the is social good. justice movement that's tied to Marxism and socialism is anything but just. Right, yes. So, again, I didn't learn this from the Bible per se. The Bible teaches me about justice. Right, yep. But this is common sense, things you just learn by studying history, things you learn from things like natural law. And you say, if I want Babylon to be as good as Babylon can be, yep. um, I, 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 I'm not going to be a part of that. Yeah. But lots of Christians don't know and they get sucked in, um, yep. sometimes even because they think they shouldn't try to learn anything from anywhere other than the Bible. So, right. Yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So have categories, know that they're good, they're helpful, important. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to know these things and it might take a little bit of effort even on your own part to learn about each of these categories that, you know, you encounter or think through uh, and work through. But speaking of categories, and you did mention this uh, when we were talking about these category issues, uh, this leads us to the next one we have on our list here is that presidents are not pastors. We're not voting for the next pastor in chief. <laughs> this is a, this is a good one, right? It yeah. sounds funny, yeah. but okay. Pa- how about this, Mike? Okay. I mean, just set down what you're doing over there. I'm um, setting it down. Playing with everything uh, and, you know, your keyboard and all that jazz. He's not, actually. Uh, I think pastors should be Christians. Wait. Are you? <laughs> yes, they should. I, I mean, pretty profound, right? That is um, top yeah. shelf uh, profound. I mean, it, among other things, right? Just like low bar, uh, gifted in teaching and all the other qualifications. <laughs> but pastors need to be Christians. Yes. And how about this? Um, the person I vote for in the next presidential election 
may or may not be a Christian, and it's actually probably not one of the qualifications from where I sit. Mm, Yeah. So would I like them to be a Christian? Yes. Absolutely. Um, Would I like them, if they're not a Christian, to not claim to be one? Yes. Right, yeah. But as I've mentioned before, I'll never forget the day that, uh, you know, a sweet uh, saint said, have you heard the good news? And I thought, oh, the gospel? (laughs) And it was, she named a certain politician and said, you know, he's a Christian because I heard it, you know, because somebody said on Christian radio, but it gave her permission to vote for him. And I just thought, oh, no, I... You have to understand, he could be a non-Christian and you could vote for him if he has a lot of common sense and is a good, quote-unquote, Babylonian right? Yeah, kind of thing. So this this gets us into the realm of common grace. You should learn a thing or two about common grace, God's restraining grace that's been in effect um, since the Noahic covenant, if you will, or it's pronounced there, the promise is there anyway. That there's There's a common grace that's involved in... Um, that affects the way we think about this. There are people who are unbelievers who, yes, are totally depraved when it comes to salvation, but they yeah. still do relative good. And so I'm, I'm going to vote in the next presidential election, and I'm going to vote for the person who I think is most competent, um, yeah. the most competent Babylonian around. Right, yeah. Um, and, and we've talked about things like this on the Pactum before, mm-hmm. even thinking not outside of politics, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about sometimes you call the plumber, Christian plumber, non-Christian plumber, things like that, right? I mean, this is kind of going at that. It is. Um, right. We're saying when we're voting, if you live in a place where you are able to vote, uh, maybe you don't have to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. They're not our pastor we're voting in. Yep. Yep. It's a different animal. Yeah. Next on our list, we've got a few more of these to wrap up the episode, uh, is that the United States is not Israel— nor is it the New Jerusalem. That's pretty obvious. We probably yeah, can move on sounds... to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we laugh and say that, and it's pretty straightforward, but just as a, you know, a public service announcement, here, yeah. we, here we are. We should think in these terms. Yeah. So, I mean, the Bible doesn't prescribe how you should do politics. Um, Israel, is a, Israel was a unique nation yep. serving in a lot of ways typologically as a, as a type and a shadow so that we could learn about um, imperfect prophets, priests, and kings. Yep, yep. Even the best were imperfect so that we would have an ultimate prophet, priest, and a king. Uh, it's a theocracy. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's all true. Everything the Bible has to say is true from Genesis to Revelation, but it's not a – it's not a uh, – what a, a political manual, right? Yes, yeah. For how things are always going to be, um, it seems like there's a lot of freedom, and as to how things are going to be, and we have common sense involved, uh, and those things. But we would not, on the Pactum, see uh, the mosaic system uh, as something that's to be prescribed for yes. all people everywhere, right? So I guess it begs the question. So, Mike, is is this a Christian nation? No. You don't think so? No. <laughs> I think it is. This is where we nuance, right? I, I agree with Mike, my beloved co-host. So I don't think this is a Christian nation um, in one sense. Right. But in another sense, there have been a lot of Christians here and there have been a lot of yes. biblical principles followed. Um, and so I'm thankful for that part. Yes. Yes. So I agree with you. Kind of a trick question. It is. Kind of, it's, <laughs> you can go both end on that, right? But it's not a Christian nation in a lot of other ways because we have not, I mean, too many founding fathers end up not being Christians, right? Influenced by Christianity, yep, so yep. even if they were, um, you know, unbelievers, they still were unbelieving in the God of the Bible. Yep, right. <laughs> so there's that. So we don't want to discount the influence of Christians and many Christians who yeah, have been yeah. praying and wanting to follow a sense of biblical morality and right and wrong. 
but there's no prescription uh, as to here's how you should do this. Um, it simply isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're going to say in that strict sense, not a Christian nation. As a matter of fact, we would want to say in light of the Great Commission uh, that the church is made up of all nations. Mm-hmm. And there are all different kinds of people, all different kinds of ethnicities. Yes, yeah. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, next two, we kind of alluded to these, but the next one uh, on the list here of things to encourage you and to consider and to keep in mind uh, is don't confuse church mandates with national ones. This is an important one because we're told in the Bible uh, to turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're told to forgive 70 times seven. Mm-hmm. How about that? Well, we're, Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. Mm-hmm. And these are the talking points by... Um, theologically left-leaning, if not left-lane driving, right. um, professing Christians. Right, yeah. And so it's, it's just the, it's, they're the lines that you hear from people who oftentimes are people who don't believe the gospel and don't believe in supernatural things, mm-hmm. but they call themselves Christians, they call themselves moderates or whatever it is. Um, and so, but it's category confusion. When Jesus says, let the children come to me, come unto me, it's a salvation invitation. Right. Right? Right. Um, and then he ends up saying, you should be like little children too, mm-hmm. right? You come to me uh, helpless and yes. incapable. Yeah. Right. I have to meet all of your needs. It's a, it's, he uses that as a word picture. That's, he's talking about salvation. And so when even just today I was refreshing myself into some of the craziness, hmm. um, that was... Um, that text was used. That's why we should have open borders in the United States right, yeah. because Jesus says, let the chil- children. little children come unto me. It's like, I'm pulling my hair out. Right, okay, yeah. we, can t- we can have a debate about open borders or not. Yeah, right, right. But yeah. leave Jesus out of it yes. when it comes to that particular matter yep. because what you end up doing is you end up robbing the Bible of its gospel emphasis and making it mean something it was never meant to be. This is what people do, unfortunately, too many times, whether you're on the right, on the left, or you drive in the stinking middle. Yep. No, <laughs> right? You hijack the Bible yeah. to claim it as your... your you know, it's it's your slam dunk. Yes, yeah. it's not talking about that. Yeah, when it comes to that matter, you would be better off leaving the Bible out of it. Turning the other cheek is not a mandate to nations. Yes, yeah, right. Yep. Um, if it was, when Israel was mandated to go win a battle, mm-hmm. um, they weren't turning the other cheek. Right, uh, it's talking to an individual, talking to Christian believers, um, that sort of thing. Even to be opposed by your enemies and you're still loving them. So be careful, be cautious. Um, don't confuse church mandates with national ones. Uh, we even get into the distinction here because distinctions matter. You know, the the church has the keys to the kingdom, mm. as uh, Matthew chapter sixteen talks about. Um, but the governing authorities have the sword. Yeah, 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 yeah. Romans thirteen. Romans thirteen. Yeah. So the church doesn't have the sword, uh, and the governing authorities don't have the, the keys. keys yeah. And when we have overlapped and confused those two things, it's led to not healthy. Not things. good things. Yeah. So keep those things in mind. Yep. Finally, let's wrap it up here. And in all these things, we want to say: remember the freedom of conscience. What do th- What do we mean by that, Mike? Well, freedom of conscience. Yeah. That's something we don't tend to talk a lot about in twenty first century Christianity. Yeah. I mean. I mean. With issues specifically like this, you and I may actually have some things we disagree upon. Say what? And guess what? That's okay. 
<laughs> so this is a robust, robust category. I mean, it was recovered, I would say, uh, in a good way with the Protestant Reformation because Rome had mandated all of these particulars for people um, and the Roman Catholic system did that weren't biblical things. Mm-hmm. So if, it, if it's a mandate to you biblically and, and it's applicable to you because you're a Christian, it's binding. Yes, but, right. But there, the other things... Uh, freedom of conscience. Yes, yeah. So don't let anyone bind your conscience with extra biblical things. Well, it's good if we would even recover what was recovered with the pro- at the Protestant Reformation yeah. in in the here and now. Yes, right. So we can have differences, as Mike was saying, and we can disagree about who to vote for. We can disagree with who's the better, better Babylonian. Right. Yep. Certain policies, yep, certain right. officials. We can have differences, and we don't have to force other our our convictions about mm-hmm. what we think is best for Babylon upon other people. Right, exactly. So I'm going going to be all for, you know, school choice mm-hmm. because of the research that I've done mm-hmm. and because I have two kids in private school. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to be all for school choice because um I've done enough, you know, hearing from both sides as well and and learning that it's better for people, even low uh, income people, it's been shown to be better for them as well. And competition is good. And uh, when we don't have competition, uh, the government tends to do things and they don't do things as good as in the free market economy. I mean, I have all these reasons why. Sure, yeah. But I have no business um, mandating that you too vote the same way I vote for that issue. Right. Yeah, you can't mandate that on other people and say, and this is the way it is. I've done this research, and that is what you should think as well. Yeah, I might have strong opinions and say, I think my argument's better than yours. Let's have a conversation about it. And this gets us into the whole matter of the church. So then we step into the the pulpit, if you will, of all places where we ought not be binding people's consciences. Uh, is it plural consciences? Conscience. Con- conchai? Conscience. Let's make up a new word. It's conchai. Conchai. <laughs> right? We're, we're to preach the law and the gospel according to scripture, right? Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Rightfully. And then there are a lot of things, especially when it comes to politics. Politics, I mean, you, you don't have politics without compromise. And so now we're in a whole other realm. Yeah, right. And so I, I'm... Can't t- I can't I'm not going to tell people who to vote for. Uh, I'm not going to tell people you know exactly how to vote. I preach what the Bible teaches about morality mm-hmm. and what is good and what is bad and what is honoring to God and not honoring to God. And some people say, might say, "Oh, that sounded political because you talked about." Right. Yeah, yeah. So, well, okay, fair enough. But I'm, I want to preach what the Bible has to say about right and wrong. Mm-hmm. But when it gets into the specifics. Dear pastors, be careful to not be attempting to bind people's consciences. Yeah. Uh, and also, even if you're not a pastor, um, be careful and allow there to be disagreement among friends, among fellow Christians. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's okay to roll up your sleeves and have a good argument. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't get my mind around why some people promote and endorse some things that they promote and endorse, and I want to have a conversation with them about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a time and a place for that. Sure. Most definitely. Ooh, Wow. Hey, Mike. Yeah. So let's just as we wrap this up, let's just think about a few questions that would relate to the things we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think? Uh, do you think it would ever be appropriate for us to invite a politician uh, to come and be to fill the pulpit as a guest preacher? No, you don't. I don't. I, I don't think we should. Ever I don't do that think either. so. No. Um, sends mixed signals. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a very helpful idea at all. So I don't think so. I'm either. going there. Yeah. 
can't can't quite get my mind around that one. Why no, churches do no, that? That's a struggle bus for me. All right, how about how about preaching sermons? Advice to pastors to preach sermons uh, about political issues. So I think not, I think it's a no for if you're specifically planning to do it for political reason and purpose, okay. and to impress upon maybe the congregation a certain political I don't know, thing. But like you were saying, if we're texting the whole. If we're texting, if we're preaching the whole text of Scripture, right, uh-huh. and all of what's in Scripture, and we come across a text that does deal with something that would be quote-unquote political because it deals with uh, maybe we're thinking about murder and we're talking about abortion or mm-hmm. things like that. That's mm-hmm. not a political sermon if we're at that point in the text and we're preaching it. That's that's fine and good. Totally agree. I mean, that's God's word. We want to exposit that and teach mm-hmm. and preach that. Mm-hmm. But to specifically say, hey, it's election season, it's September, October, and we're going to do an eight-week series, you know, that, that's that's foul. <laughs> I tend to agree with you, even with that crazy laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will confess that I feel burdened to help people, even from, let's say, First Peter, to help them right. to, to understand that um, that. We're, what, what does it mean to be a sojourner and an exile? Sure, and yes. What yeah. would the original recipients of that letter have thought, if you will? How should we think when we read that? I think it should sound the alarm, oh, let's, let's remember the Old Testament. Let's remember how they did that. Mm-hmm. And that's not a mandate to passivity. Right, yeah. And couple that with the fact that we are actually called to love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That life and life flourishing is good. In that sense, I want to preach about politics, not so much here's who you should vote for, right, here yes, are yes. the issues, but you should be aware of what the Bible has to say about these things. Right. And maybe you should be more responsible than you are. However, it's not the ultimate, it's the penultimate. Right. And so, you know, you see people getting um, as passionate about the next person they're going to vote for uh, in the candidacy as mm-hmm. they do, or more passionate more about passionate. than the gospel. Yes, right, exactly. And so, yeah, I do. I do feel the need to help people. Right. And if and, they leave more impressed with a candidate or more impressed with a political idea than they do with the person and work of Christ, <laughs> you got a problem on your hands, yeah, right? So I'm not going to name them. Yep. Yeah. I hope this has been helpful for people. It's been helpful for me. I'm just going to get myself uh, off the packed sofa. <laughs> And, now that we got uh, that off our chest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard. I you know, sometimes I just have to say I'm not going to listen to anything political today because it gets it gets my it, yeah, it can it can weigh you down, it can drag you down, but I mean these things are important for us to remember as those things we do encounter them. You're going yes. to encounter them because we live in Babylon. Yes. And if you're really having a hard time and you're really stressed about all these kind of things and worried and anxiety um plagued, good advice would be, you know, all things in moderation. And maybe, you know, you need to turn off the podcast. Not, yeah. not ours. No, 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 no. But, Keep it up. Right? <laughs> maybe you need a little, uh, a little rest from, from those things and fill your life up with other things. Yep. And our best advice to you would be uh, go to church. Yeah. Um, go hear the law of God proclaimed and go hear the lo- gospel of God proclaimed. And it will help you by divine design to reorient your heart and thinking so you can do it another week yep. until the Lord returns. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the Pactum verse. You can always find us online at thepactum.org. You can always. Get regi- always find us online at thepactum.org. And you can always sign up. And join several of us here in Omaha, Nebraska, this October for the 2024 Pactum Conference. You can find us on X at the Pactum, Instagram at the Pactum Theology, and email us all your political questions and who you should vote for at connect at thepactum.org. We'll see you next week on The Pactum. <laughs>